uh, something the Lord was reminding me of during worship um, as we were engaging in our worship and prayer this morning, our, our spiritual warfare. Um, the Lord was reminding me about when a church is a prophetic church, when it's an apostolic church, it is a church and engages in spiritual warfare. The New Testament, you know, the part that we believe in and live today, I believe Old Testament too, but <laughs> I'm clarifying. Give me a chance. But the part that we all love, because it's the new stuff, literally declares that we are in a battle. And it's not about flesh and blood. It's not about people. It's not about your boss. It's not about a co-worker. It's not about your spouse or your friends or your kids. That's not the battle you're in. We are in a battle on a spiritual level. And as a church, a church that is an apostolic and a prophetic church, we have to be a people who are committed to spiritual warfare in our own lives and as a corporate body. And I know, like Mike was saying, we're not, this isn't what you get at most places. But we've chosen to actually go after all the parts of the Bible and engage in it. And so that's what you were experiencing here today. We were not battling flesh and blood, but we were going up against powers and principalities, lies, demonic strongholds. Because we are a church who is a prophetic and apostolic church. We are a church who knows how to go after that which God has called us to go after. And I just, I, I want to remind us of a couple of words, prophetic words. Uh, Dennis Kramer, back in 2014, he said, spoke this word over us. He said, I want you to get ready for the move of God. Get ready for the wave of God. Get ready for the Holy Spirit to move and breathe upon this place. For the Lord would say, the breath of God will awaken this people. Gifts of the Spirit, Spirit, various gifts of the Spirit will arise in this house. You will be like the gardener that patrols over the garden, pulling out the weeds and picking out the stones. Now listen to that. Pulling out the weeds and picking up the stones. And I'm going to use you to have a clean people. Everybody say clean people. Clean people. A pure people, a people with zeal for the Lord's house. So get ready. Then he came back. Well, later in that, actually in that same day, that same prophetic word, he says, now listen, this is the Lord speaking through Dennis. He said, do not be naive that there will be people that bring into the house of God spirits contrary to the Holy Spirit. I am going to let you begin to discern them. You're going to say, but, oh, God, I don't, I don't want to get negative, and I don't want to be critical. No. You need to remember 1 Corinthians 2.15. He who is spiritual judges all things. And I am going to let you begin to discern the spirits that want to come into this house. This will be a clean house. This will be a clear house. There will be no spirits contrary to the spirit of God. There will be no New Age spirits, there will be no wizardry, there will be no necromancy, no horoscopes, and no Ouija boards. Amen. This will be a clean house with a clear atmosphere where my people can worship me in spirit and in truth. Then he came back a year later and he prophesied this. He says, it is time to gather the people of God to urge them to get serious. I don't want anybody in the church lagging behind. I don't want any dead weight in the sanctuary, so to speak. So speak clearly, speak firmly, but tell everybody, tell everybody to get ready. For the Lord would say, now I am now bringing this church into a time of decision. Everybody say decision. Some will decide to go on with God and some will not. Go with those who go with fear. Today, Shelly's going to be sharing a message that's been in her heart for several months, and she's been talking with Eric and I, and, and I, I just, I wanted to say that to, to get our hearts ready, because there is more deliverance that needs to come to our lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for those of you who have been faithful and, and gone through the process of inner healing and deliverance with RTF and other things, <coughs> I want to admonish you today to not 
give up and forget what you got. Mm -hmm. Don't just, oh, I went through that and it's done. And I'm opening up those doors again. Do not do that. You stay engaged and you stay pressed into what God is doing <coughs> in your life in the area of deliverance. Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. Yep. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. Amen. That's us. That is us. We have to continue to appropriate what Jesus has died for. Yep. We have to continue that. We have to continue to walk out our personal deliverance and healing so that we will be a clean people who live holy. Live holy. That's yep. the Lord. Amen? Amen. So I really believe that Shelly's message today, she's going to share it this week and next week. I just I believe that it's going to help us get some new levels of deliverance in our life. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Yeah. Stretch your hands towards you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Shelly. We thank you that she's willing to dig in and, and go after these, these spiritual warfare moments, God, and to bring that to us so that we might be able to take this as a weapon in our own lives and, and unleash it against the gates of hell that will not prevail against us. And so we release her today. We bless her, God to speak the word to the Lord through God in every way that you would call her to this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Am I on? Can you hear me? You can? Okay. Awesome. Well, I am super excited about this. I have been um, about to explode with this message. I actually taught a little bit about it in Russia. It has so dynamically affected my life um, in such a positive way that I felt like I just had to share it with everyone. So here I am. Um, when recently last week, my family and I were at a, a camp, which was amazing for my, my son. If you follow me on Facebook, you probably saw some things. But anyway, there was a teaching in there where Brett Fisher uh, gave us a scenario. It was this problem-solving scenario, you know, of like, how do you get from one place to another? Anyway, I won't tell you that part of it. But the part that stood out to me was... Um, when everybody gave their ideas for how to fix said scenario, to get this particular thing accomplished, to get from point A to point B, what everybody missed is that when you're problem solving, you actually have to make two lists. And one of the lists is uh, what are the obstacles that are in the way? And the other list is what are some ideas of how to problem solve? Usually what we do is we just go towards, well, let's just solve the problem. But we forget the list about what are the obstacles that are in my way? What are the actual things that are standing in my way? So it's in that spirit that I want to uh, bring this message to you. Because we're going to talk about obstacles that are standing in our way of us getting from point A to point B. From where we are now to where God wants us to be. Okay? So, um, whoops. We're going to go back to... Look at me making a PowerPoint, you guys. I'm so stinking proud of myself. Just take a minute. Okay. Uh, so, see this little new age thing I got? Which one's the pointer? The, this. See that right there, that little picture? Ooh. Pray, just bless it, Lord. Cover it in your blood. Okay, so um, there was this. I want to tell you guys about a conversation that I had with this woman who was into new age. Um, you probably all know that I have a little side gig going on that causes me to, um, I sell some things on the side. And so I encounter just different people. It causes me to meet new people all the time. And I, I met this particular woman, and we were having this conversation, and we were talking about my side gig product. And um, but she happened to be talking about this awakening that she had recently had, this, this encounter, and, and no one understood her. And, and I knew that she was new age, and so I'm listening and all of that. And so it came time to um, make uh, an appointment on the calendar for a date that I was going to do an event with her. And so I said, well, I can't do this date right here because I'll be in Russia. And then she says, well, what are you doing in Russia? And I'm like, going to churches to talk about shame. <laughs> and uh, she's like, okay, well, what church do you go to? And I'm like, New Covenant in Newcastle, you know. And, and so anyway, so she's like, well, what? What's that like? Because she's intrigued. You know, people who are into new age, they want to know. They really are intrigued. They're not completely closed off. They're very spiritual, very spiritual. And I don't know why I said this next thing, because I don't normally describe our church in this way, but I realized later why I did, because it was the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so here's what I say. 
I say, um, oh, I love our church. We're just, we love God with our whole hearts. I mean, we believe in the full gospel. We believe in, um, you know, healing and raising the dead and, and uh, speaking in tongues. We believe in angels and demons and, you know, not believe in them as in worship them, but you know what I'm saying. And I don't know why I said that. I don't normally describe us this way, but it was the Lord because here's what she did. She says, oh, whoa, 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 you lost me there. Because before she was nodding, nodding, nodding. She goes, whoa, 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 you lost me there. And I said, how so? And she says, uh, I mean, there may be demons, there may be darkness, but you just don't acknowledge it. Like, spirituality is just spirituality, and if you just call it all light, then it's all good, and it's okay, because it's good. If it's good, it's good spiritualness. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I left there with my jaw dropped, and I realized that's the trick that is the trick of the new age, and that is the trick of even some churches where they say, don't talk about the darkness. Don't acknowledge it. If you don't acknowledge it, then, you know, that is actually a way that the enemy can get in. We have to acknowledge the darkness. We need to know what the enemy is doing. We need to know what the plan is of the enemy so that we can overcome it. Actually, Jesus already did. We just kind of have to take what Jesus did and apply it to what's already happened. Does that make sense or what's going on? So... Today, we're going to talk about the darkness for a minute, and we're going to expose some things. Um, we're going to expose just the, the schemes that are at work in our lives. So, we're going to go to Ephesians 5, 8 through 13, and you can just read it off there. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, which is what we're doing today. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that illuminated becomes a light. So that's what we're going to do today. So today... Uh, we are going to talk about Jezebel and Ahab. Okay, so now there are a lot of misconceptions when you talk about Jeze the Jezebel spirit and what Ahab did and all of that. So today I'm kind of going to talk about it in a way because <clears throat> I think in the past it's maybe been brought as like a weapon that's wielded at any woman who has a strong personality or um, it's been falsely wielded at people, and it's become this weapon of whatever. And um, so we're going to talk about some misconceptions of it. We're going to redefine it. We're going to talk, um, we're going to remove the shame from it, okay? Because as you're going to see that, um, that really <laughs> the Jezebel spirit wants to come after all y'all, everybody. And um, it's, stinks, but we can give it legal right to come after us through certain behaviors, and that's what we're going to find out today. So, um, so common misconceptions are someone who operates in the Jezebel spirit is always alluring and uses lust as a way of manipulating people. That can be an aspect of someone who operates in Jezebel, but that is like not a true statement, and we're going to find that out later. They don't have to use sex and lust and alluring to, to, to cooperate with this spirit. It can be very sexual. It doesn't have to be, though. So I always kind of understood it. Maybe I'm the only person. Ahab was a victim of Jezebel. I always understood it like, and you're going to, it's going to make more sense later, but I always understood it like Jezebel came, like Ahab was this innocent person, and Jezebel came in and just took over his life. And that's actually not true. Okay, so Ahab is just as guilty as Jezebel, and we're going to figure that out in a minute. So he was not a victim, uh, the church has abused people with false Jezebel accusations. That's actually probably true. It's probably true. It's probably been some false accusations. You actually may be a victim of it. And if you are, then let me just apologize to you because we're not here to do that. We're just here to expose, okay? Um, since it's been overemphasized over the years and done improperly, we just shouldn't talk about Jezebel anymore. And that is definitely false. Just because somebody did it wrong, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? So, and look at me multitasking. I'm like, I got computer and this, and I got notes. I'm doing it right now. I'm like, 
Shoo. I know. I'm impressed with myself. Okay. So here's my story of how I even came across because Jezebel really was not on my radar. Like studying about who just sits down and goes, you know, I think I may have the Jezebel spirit. I think I'm going to investigate. You know, like we don't really do that. So <laughs> Jehovah Sneaky came in and he kind of like uh, showed me in a very interesting way. So it, it actually started because I was healed of something. So um, actually, let me go back. Let me tell you, I have suffered from neck pain, back pain, and headaches for years. It actually, um, I don't know, I struggled with it in high school a lot, um, but also I had a whiplash injury in my life. So always had neck pain, back pain, all of that, and headaches, horrible, horrible headaches. Um, many of you know that I'm pretty, I'm, I'm a natural person, and so I like to heal myself with you know, herbs. And as I did that, it got better. It got measurably better, but it still didn't ever go away. And I would still have this burn fire. It was like fire down my neck all the time. And then horrible migraine headaches, you know, you know, ladies, usually around your monthlies, things like that, that would happen. It would just flare up and I'd be in my bed for the whole day. And it was just awful. It was just awful. So one day I am studying for, I'm, I'm an RTF minister and I happened to be looking over something. I was studying um, communication issues. Realized that somebody had a communication issue. And so I was, I was studying. And I was like, okay. So I start looking. And I start learning about something called the spirit of Leviathan. And I'm going to throw out some names. Just believe me. You can look it up later when you leave. So um, this is just part of my testimony. I start looking up Leviathan and, and realizing that, um, that if someone is operating the spirit of Leviathan, that they often have burning neck pain, head pain, headaches, and burning between the shoulders. And I went, oh, that's me. I have a Leviathan. Then I keep reading, and it says, Leviathan often operates under um, the authority of Jezebel. And I was like, oh, Oh, that stinks. And I'm thinking, okay, wait, I have to focus here, Shelley. Like, you have to focus. you got to finish doing this thing. And so, but I kind of tucked it in my back pocket. And I, and I just said to the Lord, Lord, <laughs> you know I don't want to operate in Jezebel. Because, you know, my sin life, I was definitely operating in Jezebel. Many of you know my testimony. There's, oh, have mercy, the things that I did. And so, um, but, you know, I got saved and born again and God healed me. And I've, I prayed it off been a writhing pile of something over here during cleansing streams that Michelle prayed for me. I mean, I've dealt with Jezebel, you know, like I got her gone. It was evident in the floppings. But um, anyway, so, so I'm thinking, oh, she's back, you know. And so I just put it in my back pocket. And uh, that Sunday, ooh, I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm losing my microphone. So that Sunday... Um, was the Sunday that Robia was here. Do you guys remember when Robia was here? Yes. And my headache came back, and I went, it, it started the burning in the back of my neck, and I went, oh, no. And so here's the other part. This, this is really funny. So the other thing was is that my phone stopped working. My phone was people, no one could hear me. Like, I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. And it was really weird. So, like, think about this. Like, Leviathan is a communication. Oh, yes. So... Quick side note, don't let me lose my place. Leviathan is the spirit that causes the twisting. Do you guys ever have an argument with your husband or your wife and you say something and they go, I can't believe you just said that to me. And they say back to you what they think that, they, that you said and you're like, that is not what I just said. You know, it's the twisting. That spirit is at work in that moment. Just so you know, that's what that is. Leviathan likes to twist the truth. As it comes out of my mouth and into your ear, it's something completely different the way you receive it. So that's Leviathan. So anyway, so this phenomenon, my phone's not working. I, people can, I can hear them, but they can't hear me. Or maybe it's they can hear me and I can't hear them. And I actually don't know which one because I forget. Anyway, so I'm in the service. I go to, the, I go to service and I'm like, my stupid phone's not working. I don't understand why, whatever. I'm getting the headache. I'm like, ugh. And so Rabia, she starts, you know, preaching whatever she preach. I don't even remember. But do you remember at the end when we were doing all the declarations about who we are as, you know, it was, I don't know, we're child of God and I'm a daughter of the king and I don't even know all the wonderful things of, of identifying just how God loves me. I'm telling you guys, I got healed. Amen. 
my headache left me. It like, like left, like, like left and didn't come back again. The burning, firing pain in my back was gone. The burning fire down my neck, it was gone and it was gone for days. The other really strange phenomenon is that my phone got healed. Like not playing, not playing. After the service, people could hear me, I could hear them. My phone got healed at the same time that my neck got healed, which I think is kind of a coincidence because it was all about communication, right? Leviathan and, okay. So I was like, what are you trying to tell me, Jesus? And so what stuck out to me was the whole thing about Jezebel. And so I'm like, all right, I got to know. I got to know what you're all about. I need to know. So what I did was I, <laughs> I got three books and maybe even four and read them all at the same time because that's how I work. And um, I also buried myself in 1 Kings and I read the whole story of the person Jezebel and Ahab and what they were all about. And I just went through this thing because I wanted to know, God, what did you heal me from? Because I really, really, really don't want those headaches to come back. <laughs> like it was, it was a new level of the fear of the Lord. You know, part of the fear of the Lord is, is like, hey, I got healed. Don't let me walk back into that. And I tell you, I have had one headache since then. And uh, it was because I opened the door to bitterness and I had to repent from. So, but we're going to talk more about that later. So here is what I learned. Um, let me see. In this process of learning and researching, and I am a research junkie. I love to know the ins and outs of everything. So here, I will give you the high point. So here is what I've learned, is that demons have the same agenda as Satan, okay? Satan is a fallen angel. We know that's true from the word. Um, and there are, um, hold on, let me find where I'm at. Oh, my notes aren't, cord ah, here we go. And Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? So that is the plan of the demons as well. So their job, they want to counterfeit that everything that God does. They don't have any power of their own. They have to take what's already available to them and twist it, okay? It's the other thing I learned. So um, many times the uh, demons like to counterfeit the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, all of those things. It brings comfort. The job of the Holy Spirit is to bring comfort. Well, if we find comfort in things other than the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm saying? It could be, um, I guess, like kind of produced or, or suggested by um, the spirit realm rather than yourself. Okay, so... The other thing about demons that I learned is that their names are their rank, and Jezebel is a high rank. So, um, because I didn't understand this, which I'll get down there, and the demon rank of Jezebel, there's a demon rank of Jezebel, and there was a person Jezebel. So, um, demons are not omnipresent, okay? The same Jezebel spirit that might try to torment me would not be the same Jezebel spirit that might try to torment Michelle, because they can't be in two places at one time. You get what I'm saying? They're omnipresent like the Holy Spirit is. The rank of Jezebel, the reason why it has the same name, and actually she takes other names, whatever, but um, the, the, the name is the rank. Does that make sense? So, so when, we, when we call it that, we're not talking about the same thing, but, but the rank has the same behaviors in it. Um, Yes, like a class, yes, or a job, like an assignment, a general, or whatever. And she's way up there in the army of, of, the, um, of the demon realm. So she's high-ranking. She's a shapeshifter. She uses control, manipulation, rejection, all of those things that are underneath her, but she's at the head of it, orchestrating it all. Okay, so um, you can either mingle with this or you can partner with it. You can full-blown partner with it. And we'll talk more about that later. But I'm telling you right now that Jezebel wants to destroy all of you. Because it's a high-ranking demon and Satan wants to destroy you. So that's kind of like what it is. <laughs> like it just is what it is. I'm sorry about that. So um, all of us probably have some mingling issues simply because we fall into sin. We fall into bitterness. We fall into unforgiveness. And it's standing there just waiting going, I want to pounce. Give me a legal right to be in your life. I just, that's all they need. They're, they are rule followers and they have to follow a rule. And I'm going to talk to you later about what does give them the legal right to uh, be in your life. So, 
Um, today, um, there was a person, Jezebel, who operated in the spirit of Jezebel. And it's rumored that actually the original name was Lilith, but that's, it's whatever. But I think he just liked the name Jezebel. So, um, so we're going to be talking today about the person Jezebel, and then we're going to be shifting into talking about the spirit Jezebel. So just follow me, and I think I'll try to be clear on how. But just know that whether we're talking about the person or whether we're talking about the spirit, that the, the spirit Jezebel is behind the actions of the person Jezebel. So um, both men and women can be influenced by this. Okay, men can operate in the spirit of Jezebel and do operate in the spirit of Jezebel. Um, it tends to, I don't know, you can almost see it more in women, and we're going to talk about more about that, why that is later. And according to, oh, look how small that is. I wanted you guys to be able to see it. According to Bob Larson, which is one of the books that I read, she is our number one spiritual enemy. Actually, she's a guy because demons are dudes, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> so as I am reading this, as I'm reading this, one of the things that I come across that stands out to me, because, you know, I told you I'm pouring my heart into First Kings, is, um, is this quote from, who was, what is his name? Joram, who is, Je or who is Jezebel's ch child. Um, walks up to Jehu and says, have you come in peace, Jehu? Which Jehu, by the way, is the guy who orchestrated Jezebel's ultimate end, her death. And um, he says, how can there be peace as long as the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abound? And so basically in my Shelley language is, there is no peace as long as Jezebel is on the throne. So one of the ways that you know that if Jezebel is operating in your life or is trying to destroy you is if you're living with no peace. Do you have no peace in your marriage, no peace in your finances, no peace in your relationships, no peace here, no peace, see what I'm saying? Is there no peace <laughs> inside the chaotic mind of yourself? <laughs> um, yes. So, and then in Re Revelation um, 2, 19, 19 through 21. So, before I say this, um, Eric has been talking, you know, in the past, just about how it's time. Denny Kramer says it's time. It's time for us to, um, to really rise up and be who we've been called to be and to take these things out of our way. And so um, in Revelation, it says, um, I know your works, your love and faithful and service. Wait, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. Now, this is Jesus talking to the church in Thyatira. I think it's how you pronounce it in the end times. But um, I know your works, your love and your faith and your service and your patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. So he's like, great job, you guys. You're doing great. You're, you've got great love. You've got great faith. You've got great serve, your, yeah, service. You have endurance. I think that's us, right? We've got great faith, great love. We're doing great. We're serving people. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. See, guys, Mountain Dew, you shouldn't have it. <laughs> I'm so kidding. That does not represent the belief system of New Covenant Worship Center. But... I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So Jesus is saying, it's time, like, listen, he get, this is like at the end. He's saying, I gave you time to repent, repent, but you refused. So we can look at that and we can go, oh, you mean there's time? There's time. There's time to repent. There's time to, to get free from it. And I'm saying right now, it's time. You guys, do not be the ones that are left behind. Don't reject this message. I promise you. You don't want to. You definitely don't want to. So let me tell you. We'll just go to this little blank screen here. Okay, so let me, let me just set this up. Um, First Kings. And instead of reading it all, because it takes a long time, it's like a long. I'm just going to tell you my version <laughs> of what happened with Jezebel and Ahab, okay? So, um, 
So here's how it goes down. So um, Ahab was the king of Israel, of northern Israel, and this is back in biblical times, like way back when, after Solomon, before, I don't even know who would be, it's in 1 Kings, so timeline that for yourself. So um, anyway, um, Israel had split into northern and southern kingdom. Ahab was the king of the northern um, kingdom of Israel. And the word says that Ahab was the most evil king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. He was evil before Jezebel ever came along because he walked in the sins of Jeroboam, which means he worshiped idols. Okay, God has a real problem with idol worship and um, seems to be a theme in the Old Testament and the now, but we'll talk about that next week. But in the Old Testament, here's what it was, is that the Israelites were like, we know that God is the God of creation and that he split the sea for the people when they were escaping Egypt, that we know that he did all those things. But what about fruitfulness? Is he the God of fruitfulness and rain? Who's the God of the rain? And so they started adopting these principles of nearby places and began to worship these false gods. And um, so Ahab was already corrupt. So then, let me tell you about uh, Jezebel. So Jezebel was, uh, let's see, she was, the, she was a princess. Uh, her father was the king of, I believe it's modern day Syria, but it's Phoenicia is where it was. And he was also a high priest of Baal, which means Baal is a false god that was the god of fertility and fruitfulness. And he had a little partner, and I think her name is Asherah, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, long story short, the way that you worship Baal, cover your ears, is through, um, like, sex. Like, that's how they worshiped Baal, is through sexual orgies, um, all of the grossness of, I mean, like, crazy. It involved animals, it involved children, it involved awful things, and that was their worship to Baal. They believed that this sexual sacrifice would please the God and that the God in response would bring the rain as a, as a um, and again, we'll talk more about that next week, and we're going to talk about Elijah next week and how he plays a part in all of this. So anyway, but this is, this is Jezebel. So she grew up with, a, with the high priest of Baal, the highest rank in the church, so obviously Jezebel grew up around a lot of sex and was probably exposed to it and probably participated in these um, worship events at a very, very young age. And she was zealous for her God, okay? Now, they needed to create a political alliance between Israel and this Phoenicia. And so they decided, they as in the powers that be, not out of her control, in her control whatsoever, her father married her off to Ahab, who, um, in Israel. And so she went from this lush, beautiful place that was green and wonderful, and she had had all this early exposure to sex and all this crazy stuff, and then she moves to this place that's like desert, to a man that she doesn't want to marry, but she goes with a zealous zealous intent of evangelizing that place for Baal because she was going to serve her God with all of her like might and zeal and excitedness and uh, she comes and she brings 400 prophets of Baal and 450 of Asherah or maybe it's flip-flops but anyway there's over 800 prophets of these two gods she comes with it while she comes Ahab's like come on bring all your gods and all the prophets come on in I don't really care just corrupt all my people. It's cool. I'm going to go ahead and build me an altar for Baal because I didn't know about him. I've been serving these other people, so I'll build an altar for Baal. And uh, great, evangelize all you want. And then Jezebel decides that she is actually going to murder hundreds of God's prophets. So God's prophets were hiding for their life, and most of them died. A hundred of them were actually hidden in a cave by, I think, somebody named Obadiah. I might be having that wrong. It starts with an O. Okay, so, um, so they're hiding in this cave, and Elijah is one of them. And again, I'm going to talk more about that tomorrow or next week. But um, so are, are you catching what I'm throwing at you here? So 
anyway, so then I'm, I'm going to tell this one story of, of Ahab so that you can kind of get his character. So you're getting uh, Jezebel's character, right? She's bitter. She doesn't want to be there. She's zealous for her God. She's very religious, right? And she's been sexually abused, but she probably doesn't even realize. She's probably in denial about it. So Ahab is basically like, he's like the uh, epitome of entitlement. You know, he's, he's a king. He kind of went into it. He's like, whatever. I'm going to indulge in all these activities, and I don't really care. And if you want to come in and go ahead and take over my kingdom, whatever. No big deal. And he's kind of a crybaby, okay? Because there was this one time that um, he wanted this vineyard, and he goes to this guy named Naboth, and he's like, hey, man, I want your vineyard. And Naboth's like, no, uh, you can't have it because, like, God told me not to. And so Ahab's like, huh. And he goes back, and he lays in his bed for, like, three days, and he doesn't take any food or drink, and he cries and whines about it. And he literally, like, throws this big baby fit in his bed, okay, because he wants his vineyard, and he can't have it. So he's really not a problem solver. Okay, so that's a struggle. So Jezebel, on the other hand, she is a problem solver. She comes in and she's like, hey man, what's your problem? He's like, I didn't get the vineyard. And she's like, aren't you king? Like, take the vineyard. And so she devises this plan where she is going to, uh, like, <laughs> and people work with her and they decide that what what they do is they write these letters and it's these false accusations against Naboth and anyway long story short he ends up being like falsely accused and killed hung I think and um and so then and then she skips in and she's like hey I got you your vineyard and Ahab's like yay and he skips to his vineyard and all is well sort of so Jezebel can be very deceptive Obviously, she likes to lie to get her way. And, um, you know, Ahab is kind of a victim. Um, so anyway, so you're probably saying, oh, let's see, wait. So let's go over these right here. So Jezebel the person, we're just going to recap my story here. She was a daughter of the high priest of Baal. She was probably exposed to sexual conduct at a very early age and most likely participated early as well. Um, she was in a marriage in a position she didn't ask for. She believes that sex equals worship. That's what she was taught. That is Baal worship is sex. She murdered hundreds of prophets of God. Um, she took and walked in authority that wasn't hers, and she was deceitful and lied to get what she needed. Okay, does that pretty much sum up what we just heard? Okay, Ahab the person was evil in the sight of the Lord before Jezebel ever came along. He had a family history of idol worship. Um, he had an entitlement complex. He loved the title of king but didn't value the position. He didn't stop Jezebel from evangelizing for Baal and murdering God's prophets. Um, was apathetic about his call to be king and he abdicated his responsibility of the throne. And he was a pouty baby. He pouted when he was told no about the vineyard. So, after learning about the people of Jezebel and their traits, you're probably thinking, um, where'd that go? Uh, how in the world can I be anything like these people? Shelly, I am not, I don't operate in those things. That is not me. I'm not horribly deceitful like that, and I'm not a big fat baby. So, anyway, yes, you are. <laughs> Okay, so this is going to be the most fun that you're going to have being told off ever, I swear. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see, let's go to the next one. So let's look at, we're going to look at Ahab first, okay? Because actually, technically, Jezebel, the spirit Jezebel is behind the spirit of Ahab, okay? So like when we, when we cast out maybe like the spirit of Jezebel, Ahab has to go with it. I, this is my opinion. I mean, you could think something differently. There is a spirit of Ahab, but he's in control. He's controlled by Jezebel. So, <clears throat> so if you have Ahab, you have Jezebel, just letting you know. Okay, so um, 
So the attitudes of Ahab that we might be in. So, and again, I'm not at all accusing anybody of like partnering with this thing. I'm saying that we can mingle with it. It can affect us and we just don't really know it and we're not aware and we might like kind of mingle and partner with it for a second, but then we get with the Lord and we're like, no, you know, and, and anyway, but we need a name. We need to know what to call it so that we can rebuke it. So attitudes of Ahab is that he has fear that causes retreat. So much fear that he's like, oh, I can't face it. I don't, I don't want to look at it. And um, so how many of us do that? Uh, I'm just saying. Okay, fear that causes retreat. Um, apathy. Do you guys know what apathy is? I don't care one way or the other about it. Eh, I don't really have an opinion. I'm just kind of like, eh. I mean, I know it's wrong. Like, I know abortion is wrong, but like, mm. Each their own. It's up to them. That's apathy. Entitlement. <clears throat> None of us have this, I'm sure of it. <laughs> Completely sure that it is not overrunning America whatsoever. <laughs> Pretty sure. So we can just cross that off our list right there. It's not a thing. It's not. Okay, powerlessness. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk more about these two. Powerlessness, which is like... I just can't do it. I just can't. Self-pity. We don't have that either. None of us have that. And then lawlessness. Ahab was lawless. So, um, so let's, let's look more. So those are the attitudes. Let's look at behaviors. So an Ahab-like behavior would be, I know my position, but I don't take it. I abdicate my responsibility of my calling. This is a thing, and it's a problem. I know I'm supposed to do it, but I just don't do it. Well, James says that's sin. Um, if you know that you've been called to something, but you're not doing what it takes to do that thing that you've been called to do, you are allowing a spirit of Ahab to be part of your life. You're opening the door. This behavior opens the door for the spirit to torment you. Um, I know what I should do, but I sit around and I wait for motivation to hit me. And we can make this hyper-spiritual, and we would be like, if God wants me to, then he's going to come, and he's going to make it all happen, and I won't have to do anything except my little dance. <laughs> Did anybody get that on video? So we can make it, yes. So we're like, I don't have to do anything. God's just going to do it for me. <laughs> That's Ahab. Um, I don't, this, this is the Eeyore syndrome. Is it Eeyore? Is that the, okay. I don't believe I'm supposed to do anything special with my life. I'm just supposed to have a happy life and a happy family. God's not going to use me for anything. Uh, I lay down and get defeated when problems arise. I never do this. <laughs> I mean, it's like never. <laughs> so, okay. Next. Oh, wait. Were there more? Hold on. Is there another one? Yes, continue. Okay. I want peace, or at least the appearance of peace, no matter what peace, no matter what the cost. Peace, no matter what the cost, oftentimes that cost is a high cost. I'm not going to confront that because uh, it's just going to cause a big uproar, even though I know, it's, I, know I need to, but I've got to keep the peace. I've got to do whatever it takes to keep the peace. Well, that's not real peace. I want you to know that's not true peace. I fear confrontation. None of us fear confrontation, right? <laughs> because we're afraid that they're going to go Jezebel on us and they're going to freak out. Okay, so fearing confrontation, that, that's a big thing. Um, I have a hard time bringing correction when appropriate and necessary. This also, this can have to do with like, you know, like your leadership or your job. This also has to do with your children. Do you know how many times we bury our head in the sand about certain behaviors or certain things that our children do and we just go, I'm just going to bury my head in the sand. Yes, I had to repent to my kids for that. Um, 
Oops, sorry. Let me go back. I don't stand up for what is right. Because, again, I believe it won't do any good. How many of us are like, well, I should probably take a stand for this principle or that or whatever, but you know what? It's just not going to do any good. So that's an Ahab thing. Okay, so another one would be escape. Um, anything that helps you escape from reality could be TV, drugs, alcohol, pornography, um, anything that you go, and I can't deal with this, so I'm going to do this. You know, this thing that comforts me that's other than the Lord. And then sexual sin of any kind opens the door for Ahab to come along. It's just one of the behaviors that comes with it. We're going to talk more about that next week. So, um, okay, now let's go to Jezebel. The Jezebel attitudes, um, bitterness, that is something that I have struggled with. That's probably, you know how some people, like, they have the thing where they're like, like, rejection is a big deal. Everywhere I go, I feel like people are rejecting me. I don't really care if people reject me. My thing is bitterness. You know, that thing that, like, you're always battling. I think I got free from it, though. So, bitterness. Defensiveness. (laughs) Ah, Yes, when we have to defend ourselves at every turn, when we are constantly, anybody says anything like, oh, hey, are you going to do that way? Yeah, I am. Why? Why do you want to know? That's how I'm doing it. You know, just like, psh. You should be in my house. Okay. <laughs> and hear the defensive walls. Um, trapped. So remember how Jezebel felt trapped? She was in a position that she didn't want. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Controlling. Um, unforgiveness. Pride. Um, unteachable. That, that haughty, like, yeah, we'll talk more. These are just some, okay, judgment, being judgmental and constantly having to, have, having to have something to say about other people's behavior all the time. Jezebel's also vengeful, and she is very legalistic. Um, Jezebel is in the church, okay? <laughs> like, there are um, some, I was actually talking about this with Monique before, There are some very well-meaning people who really are anointed of God, like really, really anointed of God, but somehow Jezebel comes in, and whether it's through their family line or whether it's through some sort of sin or or because they left these doors open of bitterness or defensiveness or whatever, and they um, begin to partner with this Jezebel, and the way it manifests in them is through legalism, like hardcore legalism, which is what leads to cults and... um, all these other like false teaching and false doctrine, so it can be very dangerous. So, um, behaviors of Jezebel. Jezebel has deep father wounds, um, and it can be mother wounds as well, but many times it's father wounds because that's, that's who is supposed to speak identity. Of rejection and abandonment causing great deception of truth. Um, and it's not fair, but it just is what it is. So, but Jezebel looks for that. That's how she gets a legal right is when you have these, um, these father issues, which this is why it tends to um, affect women more than men, simply because women so long for their daddy's approval, you know? And so um, it tends to affect women in that way. So uh, most likely has experienced sexual abuse or physical abuse is the other thing. And again, it's not fair, but it is, that's how um, it comes in. Uh, but has a belief system that I'm stuck in this place and I don't want to be here. And that is, that could be your ministry position, your job, your marriage, your location, your home. This attitude right here opens the door for Jezebel. Um, I'm surrounded by idiots. (laughs) I know. Everybody's on the list now. I know. When you believe that you are surrounded by idiots, you may be surrendering to Jezebel's spirit. That is, what if it's true? You can learn something from everyone. But we get that from her behavior when she came in and she's like, you know, remember when like the the vineyard, she's like, seriously, you're such an idiot. Get out of your bed and go get the vineyard. You know, that's okay. So, um, I will do whatever it takes to get results. The end justifies the means, and you can use aggressive tactics, lying, manipulation, all those things. Um, 
Jezebel takes authority that hasn't been given, um, is deceived about the truth, but zealous for the cause. Very ingenious and very impulsive. So, um, you know, so at least you got that going for you. You're a genius if you, okay. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes, that's why everybody's an idiot, because you're a genius. That's right. Okay. So, um, we'll sabotage the destiny and calling of God's anointed. And this can be self-sabotage, okay? And eventually it can become you end up sabotaging the destiny of other people. And I know none of us want to do that, especially our children. But if we operate in this, that's exactly what's going to happen. Because that is the goal of Jezebel. So Jezebel blame shifts. Um, she's usually involved in sexual sin. Not always, but can be. But, that, and that, but that's an open door. Um, can withhold sex from spouse. That's a thing. And usually that's because of the bitterness that I talked about on a few slides before. Um, the spouse holds bitter, bitterness, so then withholds. Um, and believes sex equals love. Do you remember how I said that Jezebel, the person, believes sex equals worship? Um, and then so the Jezebel person can believe sex equals love. Um, and so, yes, you can have attributes of both. So the greatest deception of all is that these demons want us to believe that these attitudes and these behaviors keep us protected and safe. We believe a lie that we need to stay protected. We will eventually partner with Jezebel. So, um, it's a trick, okay? Because they will start, because um, here's their agenda. They want to keep you in so much relational chaos that you are distracted from accomplishing your calling and they will use these spirits will use bitterness defensiveness self-pity to sabotage your close relationships so those destroyed relationships or at least those hindered relationships will help to reinforce thwarting their destiny as well so let me make sense of this so if you have this um, if Jezebel is trying to sabotage you in your marriage um, it will sabotage your calling and, and cause you to help to sabotage theirs. Does that make sense? It's, just, it's really just about destruction. It's about sabotaging. It's about taking you out in whatever way that it can. And it uses the lie that, um, that I'm unprotected and I need, to, I need to protect myself. And that's where it comes from. So in, in my mission to protect myself and to keep myself safe and to keep myself guarded... I partner with these things, and I don't know that I'm partnering with them. So um, um, this is a, the thing about self-sabotage, and it's a self-sabotage to the point of suicidal thoughts or actions. So um, Jezebel wants to destroy you, like period, just in whatever way that, that Jezebel can destroy you. First, first rule, or the first, like, you know, whatever, I guess, agenda would be like, you dead, <laughs> or at least out of your calling. Um, the second agenda is, if, if I can't get you to die, then at least get you to partner with me so that you can destroy the lives of other people, and you don't even know you're doing it. So um, let's talk about the part about self-sabotage, because this is a very vulnerable thing that I'm about to tell you. And this is the other thing that got, that left when this Thing left me and when my body got healed. So I have suffered with suicidal thoughts probably my whole life. And um, they weren't, the only time I ever really wanted it to actually happen was like the period of time before I got saved. And the only thing that kept me from actually um, committing suicide was the fact that I had experienced an aunt in my life who had um, committed suicide and she left her children. And I had children, and so they were horribly scarred by it, and it was just this awful event for them. And so I remember in the times that I wanted to desperately die and I wanted to take my own life, I thought, well, I can't do that because I can't, I can't leave my kids. Like, I can't, that I can't let them know that they had a mom who killed themselves. I can't let them live with that type of life. So I was never actually going to execute it. However, it still came across my mind. Now, when I got saved, it got a lot better. A lot, a lot, a lot better. 
but especially during times in my life when I allowed bitterness to really take root, when I would be hopeless, when Ahab would take over and I, would have, and I was completely powerless to my situation and awful things were happening, it would cross my mind. You need to die. You need to die. Jesus, just take me right now. I can't handle this. This chaos is too much. The only hope, my only answer is death. That will be the only thing that saves me from this misery right here. And this is as a saved full spirit Christian. I believed, I thought those thoughts. And I kept those thoughts in the dark because I knew I was never going to do it. I kept them in the dark and I didn't say them out loud until about two months before I got healed. Didn't say, this was recently, okay, like within the last year, still had the thoughts. Again, it's usually coordinated with my menstrual cycle, but um, <laughs> something about that. Anyway, <laughs> So I finally go to my husband and I say, and I'm sorry, we're going over just a tick. It might, okay, so um, I finally go to my husband and I say, hey, can I tell you something? Because I know about shame. I teach about shame. I know that when you keep little dark secrets in the dark, that they stay in the dark and it keeps their power. And I know that if you take it out of the dark and you bring it into the light that it helps, right? Like I know that I teach that, but I wasn't doing it for this particular area. And so I finally, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do it. I'm like, hey, is this normal that I think this? I, I think these thoughts. And he goes, no. I mean, he looks at me like with this face. He goes, not at all. I never think that. Why do you think that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know why I do, but I do. And it comes over me and I probably mingle on it for five minutes on a bad day, 20 minutes. And then I let it go. And he's like, no, that's not normal. That's not okay. That's demonic. That's not okay. And I'm like, Okay, I didn't think it was okay, but I was just checking to see if it was normal. <laughs> so, so, uh, so then I get healed like two months later, and not only does my neck get healed, so th th they don't come back. I, I have hopeless, I have moments in my life where there's chaos and things are falling apart around me, and never does it ever, does it ever, never, ever cross my mind that death is the only solution to this problem that's really not even that big of a deal, right? And so it was completely demonic. So I want you to know that if that is you, that's not okay. And that is Jezebel wanting to destroy you. So, um, so the first job, this is why I'm saying this, this is the different spin that I'm bringing to this, is that before it's always been taught, or maybe, maybe it's only that I've, been, that I've heard, is that Jezebel wants to work through you to destroy other people. And that's true. But its first job is to destroy you. It wants to destroy you as a person. It wants to come after you and destroy your personal destiny. And then if it can jade you enough and get you bitter enough and ex create experience after experience after experience where you're wounded and people hurt you, then it will partner with you. You will partner with it, actually. You'll be like, yes, I need this. Come on in. I want you to come in and protect me. And that's when you begin to destroy the lives of others. And that is a dangerous place to be. I've actually had an encounter with a person like that. And I thank God that I survived it. I was like Elijah hiding in the, in the, in the, the ravens were feeding me. And that's okay. And I'm a stronger person for it. But it can happen. And it can happen in the church. Very well-meaning people that do love the Lord can eventually partner with this thing and is dangerous. And the Lord is like, no, he doesn't even want us mingling with it. Because when we're mingling, it wants to destroy you. When we partner with it, you're destroying others and it's not okay. It's gonna, it, it can destroy your children, your marriage, your relationships, your church. Okay, and it's bad. So, that's that. Oh, and I said this already. <laughs> it can affect your marriage, your parent. Oh, wait, hold on, go back. Yes, your marriage, your parenting, your finances, ministry, your job, your everything. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so how in the world does this thing become active in my life? <laughs> because uh, we don't, we, if, if you love the Lord, and if you've heard anything that I've said, I am sure that you're sitting there like, I, I don't want this thing. I don't want to partner with this. I don't want to pass it on to my children. I don't want to parent this way. I don't want my marriage to look, look this way. I don't want any of it. And so the first thing I'm going to tell you is that the first access is that it comes in through your generational line. Exodus 2.20, is that right? 25, says, You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Generational curses are a thing. 
And just because you have Jesus in your heart doesn't mean you're free from them. When Jesus died on the cross, he did become a curse for us. He wrote the check of freedom, but you still have to go to the bank and cash it. Okay? He's already done it. He already became a curse for us. We have the ability to be free of any generational curses that we have, but it does not go away at salvation. You literally have to ask the Lord, what is in my family line? And all you got to do is look. You know, look at the behaviors and attitudes of the people in your ancestry. And you can go, oh yeah, my grandma was bitter. You know? Oh yeah. Oh, I heard about they had an affair and they told on this and there was that. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff that that generation did, y'all. Crazy stuff. And that affects us. I mean, when, and we'll talk more about this because I'm going to end here in just a second. We're gonna, I'm basically going to present a problem and there's like no solution this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, that's next week. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm just kind of going to tell you all about yourself and then you're going to leave and you're going to feel bad. So, um, uh, yes, but I just want you to know that it does come through your generational line. And um, you just have to ask the Lord, what, where did this come from? What, what did my people operate in up there? What was going on up there? And um, so God has shown me, and he will show you. And so, and then you can repent of that. Um, if you don't know anything of what I'm talking about, see Michelle Preble afterwards, and you're going to fill out an RTF thing is what you're going to do. Stand up, Michelle. Right <laughs> there. Give a little wave. So, um... If you're like, oh, yeah, I got this, but I'm a new Christian. I don't know what to do. You see Michelle. So um, you're welcome. And um, so the other thing, the other thing that caused this to become active in your life was trauma. Childhood trauma is a way to, um, and it's not fair. Like, it's not fair. But here's the deal. The actual event is, wasn't sin for you when you were a child. Like, you didn't sin if someone violated you. You didn't sin. But what you probably did do was begin to believe a whole lot of lies about yourself, about your worth about whose fault it was, about how you're dirty and shameful, about um, all of those things. And you may have taken up a root of bitterness and unforgiveness against someone, <laughs> which I get, uh, but the Lord has freedom for that. And so that is an open door for that spirit to want to, that's actually the reason why the spirit came after you in the first place, because it wanted to destroy you. It wanted to create an event in your childhood that was so traumatic that would make you feel so bad about yourself that you would live the rest of your life filtering through that belief system that you got right there. I'm dirty. I'm shameful. Nobody loves me. I'm not protected. And if you live your whole life based on those lies, you will destroy yourself. And that demon really doesn't have to work that hard. So, um, so the other, th whoops, the other thing that gives us legal right. Oh, sorry is false doctrine. When we sway into lawlessness or we go into legalism, it is, it's dangerous. Okay, either side, of the, either side of the road is dangerous. Ahab was lawless. Jezebel was legalistic. And both of them come from the Jezebel spirit. So we have to be very careful about that. We're going to probably talk more about that. And then sin is another way that we can open the door through the, just the simple sins that we think of bitterness or unforgiveness, but also sexual sin. Abortion welcomes the Jezebel spirit with open arms, because I forgot to say this, another form of worship to Baal was the sacrifice of your firstborn. And so, um, anyway, they pulled the big dogs out when you really wanted blessing in your life. So, um, so here's what we're going to do, because I just kind of stirred some things up for you, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Is that okay if I do that for just a minute? Are you? I ask them if, it, okay. So, um, is that I want us to, um, we're going to talk more next week about kind of like what sins and what attitudes open the door for it. Right now, I kind of presented what they are, and um, we are going to pray a prayer of deliverance next week. <laughs> So I'm not going to leave you completely hanging. And I will tell you that remember how, um, remember how whenever I was, whenever I got healed, that I said to the Lord, oh, I have this. And, and I prayed the simple prayer, which is what we're going to pray is, is Lord, if this is active in my life and I didn't know it, I don't want it. Show me more. Show me more. Show me how to overcome it. Show me where it is and show me where it took root. And I, I'm willing to so just take this next week as just to study yourself Study your family line. Start looking at your family history. What's going on over there in 
oh, my grandpa, oh yeah, he did that. And you know, there was this. And um, so we're gonna write all that stuff down. We're just gonna be a student this week. But the word says that submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. It also says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you walk this week in grace or in humility and resisting the devil by submitting to the Lord, there is a freedom that's going to come and just say, Lord, I just refuse to submit to this Jezebel. I'm just going to, but show me where it came from. Show me where it took root. Show me why it's there and write it all down. And then next week we're going to talk more about it, um, <clears throat> how to get free. Um, but right now what we're going to do is we're going to end with worship to the Lord. Because um, I don't want to end on this big like, like yuck note. Okay, because God, there is freedom for this. There is um, there is hope. It is time to repent. God's going to give us grace to repent. And so let's just pray together and then we're going to just worship. Okay. So, um, just repeat after me, father God, I love you. Thank you for this revelation. Thank you for showing me that I've operated in this and God, I repent for operating in it. I don't want it. I open my heart to be teachable. Show me where this came from. I will listen. I will obey. I will submit to you. And I love you in Jesus' name.